Welcome to the next best podcast with your hosts, Chris Cashman. 24 years old, a former sheet metal worker, Mr. America, and twice Mr. Universe. And Chris Daniels. Time Magazine even named him Person of the Century. Now, from the CNC Podcast Factory, here's the next best podcast. All right, Chris, for the first time ever, I feel like our theme music is just not appropriate. Uh, Not today. Not on what is clearly the bluest Blue Friday Seattle has seen in a long time. (laughs) Maestro, change it. Yes, that's better. (laughs) The town in a state of shock and mourning today. It's a totally different Seahawks franchise. Richard Sherman? Yeah. Cut, released on his way out. I mean, he could still end up back here, but... I I put on Twitter that I think uh, people will look back at this team the same way they look at the the Gary Payton, Sean Kemp years with the Sonics. Just the the fact that these guys were brash and bold and allowed people in Seattle to kind of puff out their chests. Uh, and the success they had, I think it's it's on par with what we saw from GP and and Kemp back in the days. And I, totally. I think you know it's kind of like you don't know what you have until it's gone. And, yeah. and you know these two quotable guys that are, are at the center of a national conversation. It seems like every week it's. I think it's going to be hard to replace the uh, stuff off the field. And obviously, we're not going to uh, spend our time here talking about the Seahawks. But it is a strange day, and I think yeah. it brings back so many memories. I just threw out a gif earlier of the tip, uh, you know, because to me, it, it's funny that it really, to me, that's that moment, that NFC Championship game against the 49ers, Richard Sherman, if he does not make that play, the landscape of Seattle sports, certainly the Seahawks, could be completely different. We would potentially have zero Super Bowls. I mean, that was it. That was do or die. He made that play. And it's one of those crystallized moments in my mind where I remember where I was, who I was with, and that just turned on the juice for this town for years. Like the double with the Mariners. Uh, I think that's probably going to be one of those things immortalized at CenturyLink Field 10, 15 years down the road with some big mural. I mean, it is it is one of the top moments in Seattle history, and I think, you know, the, the Seahawks won't be faulted if in 15, 20 years they're playing that on the big screen to yeah. get fans fired up. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's one of those moments for Seattleites that still gives you chills each time you see it. Hey, you just said chills. That's a perfect segue to Ooh. talk about hockey, since <laughs> we are now officially Hockey Town USA. Uh, maybe Sherman North doesn't America. get back in in. Football. I mean, maybe we're going to be yeah. looking for a Zamboni driver. We're yeah. Gonna, I mean, there's going to be all sorts of new jobs created. Yes. Uh, Chris, this has been a crazy week for hockey fans. They're over the moon. We work with some of them here at King Five. Yeah. Uh, this has been uh, quite a week, just one week. Quite a week, and, and I think now people have noticed uh, what transpired with the season ticket drive, the fact that it was done so quickly, uh, that a waiting list is now in place for people to buy season tickets because so many darn people signed up and put big money down for season tickets. We have some great audio here because it was just a week ago that you found yourself on top of the Space Needle with some impressive people. And we should pull back the curtain here because I know a lot of you might find this hard to believe. Uh, Chris and I are not just highly successful podcasters. <laughs> we also well, we make our living on TV, which, yeah. is, which is a broadcast version of the internet and YouTube and all that. So we're, I'm just trying to bring all the demos <laughs> yeah. in here yeah. as to what we do. Uh, so on the TV side for King 5, uh, what, about a week ago, there you were 
on the top of the Space Needle with some impressive guys. Yeah, Tim Laiwiki, Jerry Bruckheimer. Jerry Bruckheimer did not have any explosions that day, uh, didn't uh, repel off the side of the Space Needle. But they did raise the flag, the NHL Seattle 2020 flag atop the Space Needle, and this is what it sounded like. Perhaps it is poetic, a piece of fabric like hope for a hockey future now flying sky high. Thanks to a ticket drive that exceeded even an optimist's expectations. Well, we're not putting a target out there and say it's got to be X or Y or Z. Just yesterday, the Seattle group did not want to make a projection of just how many Hockey fans like King Five's own Chris Smith would gather around their computer, attempting to spend $500 to reserve a seat for a future NHL franchise. There were some hiccups right around 10 a.m., thanks to an apparent rush of interested buyers like Smith. There were 10,000 deposits in just 12 minutes, 25,000 in an hour. It's uh, beyond anybody's wildest imagination of what we could have done here. Oakview Group President Tim Laiwiki and prospective owner Jerry Bruckheimer could not contain their smiles. Not, not a chance. I always expect the worst, hope for the best. Well, the best worked out, and that's fantastic. There are still some final items which need to be addressed between the city of Seattle and the Oakview Group before they can begin demolition on that building below. But it's safe to say after today's news, they have a little bit of wind in their sails. We can't raise the roof. We, we just looked at it. I don't think we're raising that roof. I think it is an unbelievably great message back to the National Hockey League and, for that matter, the sports industry. Everything about that day, Chris, was very cool. The weather was cooperative to see the flag raising and fun for you to get to take people kind of behind the scenes on what these guys were thinking because they were nervous, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, they were nervous uh, about how many tickets would be sold or deposits would be sold. They were surprised. I, I stood in the basement of the Space Needle there in the lobby before we went up and watching Tim Laiwiki and Jerry Bruckheimer on their phones. Uh, Tim Laiwiki's daughter also works for the Oakview Group, all looking at their phones, waiting for the numbers to come in and smiling. I, I don't think they expected that kind of response uh, from the city of Seattle, from the greater Puget Sound region, with the 10,000 deposits in, in 12 minutes and right. uh, 25,000 in an hour. Uh, I, I don't think they expected it at all. And, um, boy, it, it really it makes a statement, like you heard there from Tim Laiwiki. The, the person you didn't hear from yeah. there, uh, David Bonderman, he's really kind of the big money behind this whole project, right. a big investor. He's met with the mayor. He's met with council members. He's an equity investor in the arena. He'll be the majority investor in the hockey franchise. Uh, and I think he's going to be pretty quiet. I, I don't think we're going to hear a whole lot from him over time, but we did have a chance to talk with him uh, in the, the hours leading up to that flag raising and the deposit sales uh, about how this all came together for this group. We were fortunate uh, to, to know Tim and OVG, uh, who have led the process of going through the city uh, and all the permutations it takes to get anything done here in Seattle. Um, with that background, I went to school here, uh, graduated from the University of Washington more years ago than I care to admit. Um, and so the stars and sun and moon sort of aligned here. We've known Tim a long time. We've done business with him in his prior context. And so all, all these things seem to fall in place. Uh, uh, and uh, we think this is going to happen. This is a big transformative project, though, to, to build an arena 
and acquire a team that's over a billion dollars, as you know, that's a lot of money. That's what my wife said. <laughs> why, why is this the place, though, to invest that kind of money? Well, first of all, as Jerry said, it's a great market for sports generally. It's a great market for hockey potentially. Um, it's the largest market in the United States that has no real winter sports uh, events. Um, we have some ties here, and we were fortunate enough to uh, know Tim, and Tim had the idea of how he could get through this process, do what needed to be do to save the iconic parts of the, the arena, and how to make it work for hockey and potentially for basketball. All right, Chris, so just a snippet of your conversation there with uh, Bonderman. Uh, billions at stake, which is perfect timing because just last week we also found out that Seattle is now home to the world's first Santa billionaire. That's a thing, <laughs> Jeff Bezos. So billions, everybody's throwing billions around in Seattle now. Yeah, Bezos, I mean, he could buy the NBA team, the NHL team, the arena, build two arenas if he wanted to. He's he on such on a roll. He debit card. Yeah, he's on, he's on such a roll, and he makes guys like – uh, David Bonderman looked like poppers, and I think we'd all like to have David Bonderman's wealth uh, at $2.5 yeah. billion, uh, according to Forbes, uh, his worth. He's been invested in a lot of things over time. Yeah. He he owns uh, Creative Artists, Artists Agency, uh, owns uh, a lot of things, uh, right. a broad portfolio. This is uh, just one of the things that would be part of his part portfolio, and, and he talked about who exactly would own what with this NHL franchise and arena. Uh, well, we're going to have a limited number of uh, partners in, uh, led by me. I'm, I'll be the managing partner. Um, Jerry will be very involved as a kind of the uh, uh, soul of the team. Uh, we'll add a few folks who are like-minded, probably some from Seattle. Uh, we want to have a local base here, too. So that's very important to be part of the community, and we'll strive to do that. Chris, it sounds like it will be... Uh a collection of owners. Yeah, and he'll he'll be he'll be the main guy. Uh, and and Bruckheimer he called the soul of the franchise. Yeah. So that's why I say I think you won't hear a lot from David Bonderman over time. Uh, he will kind of step into the shadows, and Jerry Bruckheimer will be the face, the Hollywood guy who will you know talk about the colors and the names and all that kind of stuff. The cool thing was that you did get to talk with all of those guys, and you did talk with Bruckheimer. And I don't know if this is pulling the curtain back too far, but you, we did mention the fact that he didn't stick around for too long because he cruised in off of a movie set and was flying right yeah, back out of here yeah. for a movie set. And you had an interesting little nugget about his spread back home. Yeah, back in uh, Kentucky he, he is where he lives with his wife. Because a lot of people are going to say, Bruckheimer, what's he have to do with this? The, yeah. movie, the TV movie guy? What's he doing? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, Bruckheimer goes back, what, Top Gun and Beverly Hills Cop right. and uh, most recently CSI, The Amazing Race. Uh, he's known for a lot of things, bad boys. But he uh, was filming a movie, I was told, down in Georgia. Right. Flew in for all of this here in Seattle. But he, he resides in Kentucky uh, where he has built a barn with a hockey rink for three-on-three hockey. So he is uh, that big into this sport, loves this sport so much, and this is his opportunity now, uh, even though it's – it's, uh, what, a couple thousand miles yeah. away from Kentucky to, to be an NHL owner. Now, not lost in all of this is the basketball side of things. Obviously, the fan base seemed to be kind of split. A lot of people were 
excited about the hockey news. A lot of people were sad because it didn't include NBA. And then maybe there's some people in the middle, like me. I've slowly come around to saying, you know what? I don't think these are mutually exclusive. I think getting NHL, getting hockey, this has made you know waves. The fact that the ticket drive went so well and exceeded, now they're going to have to turn people away. Uh, I think that makes a big statement. We heard Bonnerman talk about that. Um, but you also talked to Bonnerman about round ball a little bit. Yeah, right? and I, I think this has been kind of lost in all of this discussion about David Bonderman and his interest in sports. Uh, he he does have a tie to the NBA, and so I asked him about that as well. You specifically mentioned uh, NBA. You're a minority owner of the Boston Celtics. Yes. A lot of people still love the NBA. I know we're here to talk about the NHL but I think people would slap me upside the head if I didn't ask you the NBA question. We've had is, that question a time or two, <laughs> you might imagine. And you've been slapped a couple of times too, so. Which, which is, is are, you, are you interested in being an NBA owner down the road? Yes, we've, we've shown that to the commissioner, the other commissioner, not Mr. Bettman, but Mr. Silver. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've been involved with the Celtics for a dozen years. We've gotten to know the people there. Uh, if there's a franchise, we'll go after it. That's a, still a lot of money between the arena, the NHL, and the NBA. We're talking putting over two, three billion dollars into this spot. Well, hopefully, it's closer to the former than the latter. <laughs> <laughs> so, an interesting little twist there, Chris. I think you were accurate in saying that's lost on a lot of people. I don't think people realize that the majority, the the main owner here for this would-be Seattle NHL team already has skin in the game, as we like to say. He has some ownership with the Celtics. Yeah, and, and let's think back to what happened with the Sacramento Kings almost moving here to Seattle. Uh, right. at, at that time, there was a minority owner of the Golden State Warriors uh, who who came forward to rescue the Kings, so to speak, and, and keep them uh, down in Sacramento. It, he already had a foot in the door. David Stern, at that time, the NBA commissioner, knew who he was, uh, Vivek Renadive, and uh, that helped save the franchise, right. a, a guy who's already part of the club. What you have here now with David Bonderman is a guy who's already part of the club uh, with the Celtics. I know that uh, the majority uh, owner of the Boston Celtics, the managing partner, Wick Grousebeck, uh, has uh, told me in a short note that he, he thinks very highly of David Bonderman. Uh, and so I think that's good for Seattle. And what we have uh, tended to forget over time is – Chris Hansen and his group have not had a guy like David Bonderman, somebody uh, with the wealth, uh, a so-called whale, somebody who has that foot in the door with the NBA. Uh, that group uh, in Soto has has not had that type of person. So uh, you can look at th- this effort now at Seattle Center and say, yeah, they, they have a, uh, a positive connection there to bring the NBA back. Whether uh, that will come to fruition, still a big question out there, uh, or, or whether Chris Hansen has a trick up his sleeve. And in a very Jerry Bruckheimer-like plot twist, yeah, Chris Hansen is back, and this time he's bought more <laughs> land in Soto. Chris, what does this mean? News this week that uh, Hansen's gobbled up some more land down here in would-be stadium district. Well, I know that a lot of people are fans of the Jimmy Johns uh, down in Soto, and it's that building in particular uh, that he and his group have closed on. And, and Steve Ballmer is a minority investor in all of that, has stayed uh, connected to the the Hanson group that way. But a uh, little over $2 million, I think what's interesting here is it, it gives that group a uh, little over 13 acres, $125 million in investment. 
Uh, everything I've heard and everything that Chris Hansen has said over time is despite what's happened at Key Arena, they still want to bring the NBA back, and they think that that potentially means a second arena in mm-hmm. Seattle. Uh, what you have to have happen there is you have to have somebody come forward and say they want to be an NBA owner and they want to control all the revenues and they don't think they can make as much money uh, at, by doing that at key arena. That's, that's what Hanson needs at this point. I would tell you that I I think if you take the NBA out of it, it's a smart investment. They already had all that other land and 13 acres together in Seattle at a time when there was nowhere else to grow uh, you know, South Lake Union's maxing out with all that construction. Right. Uh, with what we've seen is essentially downtown growing to the north. Uh, the next place for Seattle to grow is to the south. Right. And uh, the Port of Seattle, things could change dramatically over the next five to ten years. They're sitting on land uh, that uh, could go a lot of different directions. Could be an arena. Could be maybe a corporate headquarters. Could be an entertainment district that connects itself to Safeco Field. I mean, they're... There are a lot of options for that land and a, a big land mass that you cannot find anywhere else in Seattle. So I think, you know, they're being smart. They're following through on all of this. They have the money. They have the deep pockets to do it. And, and some, somewhere in the, you know, probably not too distant future, it'll become clear what they're up to. Now, I got to say, when I saw the news, I think from your tweet, and folks can read more at king5.com, I immediately thought, oh, forget Soto Arena. I'm thinking Sonic City, a campus, a <laughs> campus. I mean, I immediately thought maybe this is, yeah, plan, plans to sprawl. A few, like you said, a future play. Let's give it some time. We're all anxious, but let's see how things sort out. And then, of course, you're right at the end of the day. Uh, the whole country knows how expensive Seattle has gotten. Uh, that's probably not going to change anytime soon. So worst case scenario, he's sitting on some really hot real estate in one of the only blank spots left in the city. Well, and and more valuable because of that large landmass of 13 acres. It's not just, you know, one tiny little piece of property. I mean, that That is going to be extremely valuable, uh, more than the $125 million that they've paid for it. Uh, it it's going to be valuable as a, a contiguous landmass, even if that street never gets vacated uh, on Occidental, uh, the, it will likely be turned into something at some point in time. Let's not forget what happened to Paul Allen on the north side of town, that he wanted to put a big park in South Lake Union, and the voters in the city of Seattle rejected the idea. Right. And instead now you have a sprawling campus that is occupied by Amazon that everybody wants to complain about with traffic and whatnot. One of the most wicked traffic it, tangles in the country. It could have been something different. And uh, a big vote turned that down. A big vote turned down Chris Hansen. So who knows? It, it could end up being a completely different story in Soto in, in 10 or 15 years. What do you guys think? Are you excited about the hockey? Are you still upset that the NBA is not yet a part of that plan? 206-448-3600. That is our feedback line. It will send us an MP3 of your voicemail. If it's good, if you bring it, if you have an interesting take, we might just make it a part of the next best podcast. We want to hear from you guys because I don't pretend to be an expert. Chris, you know a lot. I don't know a lot. I'm looking over your shoulder, and I'm seeing file footage of Richard Sherman's last game in Arizona, (laughs) which you reminded me today that you and I were at. Again, we're not just successful podcasters. We also work on TV and sometimes the Internet. Yes. And our tailgate live show, we were fortunate enough to go to that game in Arizona. We were watching inside the stadium, and you reminded me just this morning that on that particular play, when Richard went down, I turned to you. And I said, he's faking it. Don't worry about it. He's faking it. I think he got burned. 
he got burnt. That's the thing you do when you're a little kid. He just he doesn't want to get yelled at. So I was convinced that he was sort of uh, faking a dive because he got burned and nobody wants to get burned. And uh, today I would like to set the record straight. <laughs> I stand corrected. The last play for him in Seahawks history, uh, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff, Chris. Thanks, man. On Twitter and Instagram. And next best part, this is the exclusive ending of the next best podcast.